0: I wanted to speak this morning about what has God shaped you for? What has God shaped you for? I recently went to Southampton General Hospital for an ultrasound on my left thumb uh, because it had become rather painful and unusable. Uh, I hadn't hit it, I wasn't really sure what had happened, but it felt as if it was sort of partially dislocated. Every time I bent my thumb, I I got this, this pain and it would click and feel very uncomfortable. Well, the ultrasound revealed that I had something called trigger thumb. Now, I'm not in the habit of using a gun, so I wasn't sure what trigger thumb was all about. So I asked the doctor if it could be treated. And he was one of those taciturn doctors who was very matter of fact. And he simply said this, yes, it can be treated. Your GP will do that. Goodbye. Um, I like to engage with doctors and ask all sorts of questions and find out. But he was clearly somebody who didn't have any time for chatter. So um, I've got to have some physiotherapy on it. Whenever something goes wrong with our bodies, we immediately become aware that a part is not working in the way that it should. And the sooner we can get it back to normal, the happier we will be. Now, some of you who are much, much younger, I've got some news for you. Um, Try not to get old, okay? Try not to get old. Because the older you get, the more things start to not work properly. I remember many years ago in, in uh, the church I was pastoring, uh, there was an old lady and I said to her one day, I said, you know, I'm really looking forward to retiring. And she looked at me really straight face. she was retired, she said, don't. She says, when you retire, your knees bend, but your, bu- your belt won't buckle up. And I thought, what is she on about? You know, your, your knees buckle, but your belt won't. And I sort of twigged what she meant was that your knees become rather painful and you put on a bit of a girth where you can't do your buckle up around your belt. So anyway, this is part and parcel of aging, that things start to not function in the way that they should in our bodies. Now, the apostle Paul, Use some very brilliant language to describe the church when he used the analogy of the human body. Um, Vic read it to us today in the Passion Bible. I do find the Passion Bible very long-winded. Now, that's not a criticism, but it is so passionate that it packs in so many words that you kind of Think, well, yeah, this is amazing. I'm just going to read a few verses from 1 Corinthians 12 from the Message Bible. This is what it says. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ and his church. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as church. Every part dependent on the other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't, the parts that we see and the parts that we don't see. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything now in recent months we have asked and encouraged you to complete a survey that would reveal your abilities and gifts for serving the church of Jesus Christ the reason that we've asked you to do this survey is simply because we are believing for growth we want to see our church grow and flourish and increase, and healthy bodies grow. And so healthy churches will also grow. However, when something in the human body is not playing its part, we are impoverished in some way. And so it's the same with the church. When people fail to use their God-given gifts, The church remains unhealthy and fails to flourish. Now, we want everybody in level 10 church to flourish, to use their God-given gifts so that people can come to know Jesus. The church can grow, the church can increase, and we can see the wonderful church of Jesus Christ functioning as God intended it to. So how do we know what our gifts are? Well, thinking about gifts, um, I wanna use the word shape. As I said at the beginning, what shape has God made you and made me in terms of the gifts and purposes that he's placed upon our lives? Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, he says this, Whenever God gives us an assignment, he always equips us with what we need to accomplish it. This custom combination of our capabilities is called your shape. And Rick Warren goes on to use that word shape as an acrostic to help us understand And recognize the giftings that God has given to us. And I'm going to just take that word shape that uh, Rick Warren uses in his book. And I'm going to use the the five words that he draws out. Because it's really very helpful, very straightforward to understand something of the spiritual shape that we have. The Bible says we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good work works. So God has designed us for a purpose. So first of all, thinking of that word shape S stands for spiritual gifts. We have to recognize our spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are gifts that God gives to us. We do not choose them. We do not earn them. The Bible says a spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping The entire church let me say that again a spiritual gift is given to us as a means of helping the entire church if we go to romans chapter 12 and verses 4 to 8 this is what paul says there he says verse 4 just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function so it is with christ's body we are many parts of one body. We, are all, we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. <coughs> if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. They are brilliant verses that speak about the various giftings that God gives to us. I remember one Christmas many years ago, (coughs) receiving a digital golf scorecard. But you know, I have never ever used it. Because whenever I play golf, I am quite happy to write on a little card with a pencil, my score as I go round. This little digital gadget didn't really appeal to me. God has given you spiritual gifts that you need to find out what they are and then use them for the blessing of others and for the benefit of the church. The gifts that God has given you will help you know your part in his body. So I want to say, first of all, discover and recognize the spiritual gifts that God has given you. And that survey that we asked you to complete was a simple way of helping us to understand and recognize some of those spiritual gifts that God has given to you. So if you've still got that survey kicking around in your email somewhere, make sure you dig it out and do it and send it back to Silas because it will show you things about yourself, but it will also help us to understand as a church some of the spiritual gifts that are there amongst us. So S is spiritual gifts. Recognize what giftings God has given to you. Second thing, the H in the word shape is is knowing your heart. You see, your heart reveals who you are. It's the essence of your being. We're not talking about that pump, you don't understand. We probably all said it at some occasion, I love you with all my heart, but you would never say I love you with all my pump. Okay, that's not very romantic, is it? But when you say, I love you with all my heart, or your heart felt, you and I understand what that means. It's the very core of our being. It represents who we are, all that we feel, and all that we are. We need to know the heart that God has given us and what he's placed within our hearts. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the person. Your heart is where your desires are. It's where your dreams are. It's where your hopes and ambitions spring from. It's the wellspring of your life, to use what Proverbs 4 says. So it's the real you. It determines the way you feel and act. We all have a very unique heartbeat, apparently. That's our human pump. It's unique. Why is it that some people have a passion for birds? Some have a passion for cricket. Others for art. Some, for some strange reason, have a passion for Arsenal Football Club. Others have a passion uh, for saving the planet. While others want to help the needy, and care for the sick. We, we have passions in different ways. Why is it? Somehow, we weren't trained and taught to have passions in these directions. Somehow, it just became something that we recognized within us. God has placed within us passions and desires, not to serve our own interests, but actually to make a difference in the world in which we live. Is your passion currently misplaced or being used to make a difference in the lives of others? Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. So if your treasure is in stocks and shares, your heart will constantly be there checking up to see how much money you've made, right? Wherever your treasure is, your heart will be with it. Let me ask you, what fires you? What excites you? What moves you? What inspires you? Recognize that as the passion that God has placed within you and use it for the glory of his name and for the benefit of his church. Then the third letter in the word shape is A, we need to use our abilities. All of us are born with natural talents and abilities. Some people have the ability to run long distances. Others have the ability to do a good short sprint. That's all to do with the kind of muscular structure that we were born with. So if you can't run a long distance, don't beat yourself up about it because your muscle structure might be designed so that you can be a good sprinter and vice versa. Okay, there are some natural things about the way in which God put us together. Some of you have the ability to draw. Others have the ability to create images on canvas. Some have the ability to excel in culinary skills. Some have the ability at robbing banks. Think about it. There have been some amazing bank robbers down through history who have had great ability to plan it, to work it all out and to do it really well. That's a misuse of the abilities that God has given. Others have great ability in heart surgery. We had read to us from the Old Testament by Babs about a couple of guys whose names were Bezazel and Ohio lab. And the Bible says God had given them great ability to fashion, to design, and to make different aspects of the tabernacle that God instructed Moses to build. These were incredibly skilled guys, and they got named for the way in which they used the abilities that God had given to them. However, it's easy not to use the abilities God has given us, or to misuse those abilities for selfish gain, or even to abuse the abilities that God has given to us. You see, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Some people have the ability to be excellent in business. Think of Bill Gates and Microsoft. That guy has been excellent in business. He's made a fortune, but he's used a lot of that money to make a difference in the world, particularly in helping those that are children that are suffering in Africa. And that is very, very commendable. Some people just have this ability in business to make a huge amount of money. Um, God never anointed me with that ability. But some people have it. You recognize it. We see it. Sadly, a lot of them use it for their own selfish means but it's great when you hear of those who are very philanthropic and use what they make to make a difference in the lives of others. If you have that kind of a gift then use it for the glory of God and for the good of others, not for selfish gain. Peter says God has given each of you some special abilities, be sure to use them to help others, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessing. We need to use our God-given abilities for the glory of God and for the good of others. I'm just going to share my screen. Janice and I found a photograph the other day. I'll show you it. Here we are. Don't know if you recognize that couple. But that's about uh, 48 years ago. Janice and I were in the Methodist Central Hall in London singing to about 2000 people in a youth rally. Not long after Janice and I met, we recognized we had the ability to sing. And so we were asked to sing all over the country. Uh, That was the era where ladies wore hats, as you can notice. Um, and we sang all over the country we're the, we were the Assemblies of God National Youth Evangelists. So there's a blast from the past, as they say. Um, where have I gone? lost myself. Let's just get back. Stop sharing. OK, so. It's very easy in our early years to recognize abilities that we have, but we need to use them for the glory of God and for the blessing and for the good of other people. So use your abilities. The fourth thing is the letter P, it's about personality. Knowing your personality. Character is what we are within, but personality is what we project to the world. And there are four basic personality types that reveal our temperament. You may be familiar with words like driver, expressive, amiable, and analytical. Um, There's an analysis test called Myers-Briggs that you may be familiar with. And the Myers-Briggs defines these four areas like this, where you focus your attention, the way you take in information, how you make decisions, and how you deal with the world around you. Now, wouldn't it be boring if every single one of us was exactly the same? We had the same personality, we had the same temperament type, wouldn't it be boring? This is why in marriage, invariably, you are attracted to somebody who is opposite to you. So an introvert is attracted to an extrovert. A quiet person is attracted to somebody who's more noisy. An organized person is attracted to somebody who is disorganized. A person who has loads and loads of clothes in their wardrobe is attracted to someone who wants to organize them and get rid of them. Okay, you know, that's just life and it's good. Often we talk about people with their cheese and chalk and we, we find attractiveness in the way in which we didn't and that's how god made us it would be terribly boring if we were all exactly the same in terms of our temperament god loves variety and so he has made us all uniquely different if you look in the scriptures the apostle paul was a driver or a choleric you know he would get things done nothing would stand in his way Peter was was much more expressive. And then you've got Thomas, who was more analytical, a bit of a depressive. And then you've got John, who was probably a very amiable, friendly sort of person who everybody loved to be around. Your personality and temperament will influence how you use the gifts that God has given you. If you think of the analytical type of person in the story of the talents, Do you remember that one servant who didn't use his talent? He said to his master, sir, here is your gold coin. I kept it hidden in a handkerchief. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take what is not yours and you reap what you did not plant. He was very analytical. He processed the whole thing and he said, well, I'm not buying into this. The amiable type of person is very outgoing, very warm and and friendly. They'd be perfect on a welcome team in a church. You don't want a depressive type on a welcome team, do you? You imagine somebody new coming up to, arriving at church and there's a depressive on the door. Hello, what do you want? Why are you here today? No, you want somebody who's cheerful and bright and friendly to be on a welcome team. And then the analytical type, brilliant as treasurers, brilliant as administrators, brilliant as people who can strategize it and organize things, those sort of people. And then the drivers, they're the ones who are great on leading vision, on taking us through change. And then there's the expressive type who will draw people around them. They're so excited about life and about the future they are great encouragers what type of person are you what kind of personality what temperament has God given to you are you using it to bless others are you using it appropriately within the context of the church and of serving the purposes of God Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, God works through different people in different ways, but it is the same God who achieves his purposes through them all. So the last letter in this word shape is the letter E. We have to draw on our experience. E is for experience social conditioning is something which begins at birth and shapes us according to the society in which we live and grow. So little Seth is being socially conditioned in the Smith household. Right from this very moment of his birth, it has already begun. The poor little guy is being shaped as a Smith right from the start of his life. It happens to us all. We can't avoid it. The environment that we grow up in shapes us. And Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That wasn't an excuse for his behavior. That wasn't a cop-out. He was recognizing that God's grace shapes him. Now, Paul had had some incredible experiences in his life. He'd made some terrible mistakes. He he was a a terrorist before he came to know Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. But so much of his past gave him experience that he could then use in a good way for drawing people to Jesus and preaching the gospel with authority, with anointing, and with conviction. Paul never gave up. Whatever obstacle he faced, he would drive through it. He knew that all things were possible through Christ who gave him strength. The Bible says that for all of us, we can do what God designed us to be and to do. And your shaping, your conditioning, your upbringing, those bad experiences, those difficult experiences, the disappointments, the hurts, all the things that have shaped you in your upbringing, you can use them, you can draw upon them for the glory of God. We all go through bad times. And the thing is, when you come out of a bad time, you want to come out of it better, not bitter. And if we use our experiences to make us better people, then we can serve God more effectively by drawing on what we have learned through the shaping and the experiences that we have as we journey through life. Aldous Huxley said this, experience is not what happens to you, it is what you do with what happens to you. There's truth in that. So we need to understand our shape. S is the spiritual gifts that God has given us. Do you know the spiritual gifts that God has given to you? We've had several readings today that indicate that out of the Bible. There are giftings that God has given to you for you to use for the glory of his name. Do you know what the passion of your heart is? What has God put within you that inspires you, that excites you, that defines you, that you can pour out for the glory of Jesus' name and so that his church and his kingdom can increase? Recognize those abilities, those natural abilities that God has given you and use them to serve him. Know the kind of personality, the temperament type that you are and make sure that out of that you serve in an appropriate area, and then life experience. Use it so that God can be glorified in you and through you.